electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. A return to growth. Why ETF superstar Kathy Wood says it's about to happen. Does our investment committee agree with that? We debate it and tell you the names that could see the biggest bounce if it does. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Joe Terranova, John Nigerian, and CNBC's Jim Cramer. He's the host of Mad Money. Jim, good to see you. Nice to see everybody as well. Let's check the markets. S&P right now, well, it's around its closing high. As Carl said, it's been the tightest of ranges today. So the market activity has not been all that pronounced. However, Jim, I'm turning to you first because I do want to focus on this Kathy Wood call. She held a webinar. She says, quote, the rotation back to growth is probably close at hand. I'm wondering if you agree with that, because many of these stocks have had a nice little comeback, but still remain quite a ways from their 52 or all time highs. Well, I think the question is, is going to be growth as in DocuSign or Unity Software or growth as in One Life Healthcare, CM Life Sciences, Plura STEM, uh, 10X Genetics. I mean, genomics. See, I I think that I agree that with with the 10 year trading the way it is, that growth is going to be back. But I am going for the barbell. I know Steph and I talk about barbells all the time. We ought to work out together because we do both uh, start running at 3.30. (laughs) But I think you can make money with both. But not with the super-de-duper growth that she buys uh, because those are head-spinning. Well, what about some of these? So you mentioned DocuSign, right? Right. So it's up 22% over the past month. Right. So it's been a nice right. bounce. It still sits 18 percent away from its 52 week high. A lot of these stocks are in the same boat. Palantir's up 24 yeah. percent in a month. Um, it still sits, though, a fair amount from it, its 52 week high. Are you saying that the Kathy Wood type stocks, Jim, are not the ones that you want to buy if growth is going to be back? I think a lot of hers that are bigger cap are are actually what I call COVID stocks. I mean, I think Zoom's a COVID stock. I think DocuSign's a COVID stock. But I've got to tell you, I like Fang. I know we're going to talk about Fang later. I like some of the traditional growth stocks that we talk about all the time on the show that are, let's say, a service now. Uh, which I think is just dramatically oversold. I will go as far as Snowflake, which I know is a hundred times sales, but I think that Frank Slootman, who I know has got some issues away from this. The heck with that. The guy's got a great product. And my favorite stock right here is Amazon. Mm. And I defy people from telling me why I should sell Amazon just because uh, Kathy Wood. Uh, likes growth stocks. Okay. So, Steph, I'm going to go right to you then there because, you know, Josh Brown has been talking about Amazon going through this consolidation period and that get it, it's getting ready for a nice breakout. Jim's favorite pick of the fangs, Amazon. And I know you have a lot to say about Amazon as well. Look at 
Well, I can't hear Steph. We're going to work on Steph's audio. But, Joe, I turn to you. I mean, if you're looking at Did the... you see what she said? I read lips. She says Amazon's going to the moon, Yolo. <laughs> she probably did. She probably did. Um, but, Joe, look, the FANG stocks, they, they obviously, you know, not all... up. Oh, Steph's, Steph's leaving the building. She'll be back. Um, the fa- She's coming back. This is like play-by-play of uh, inside <laughs> I, Steph's I office. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> Joe, the fang. Steph, are you there? Okay. Can you hear me now? Kind of like watching teams right. I can hear you. All right. This, I mean, this is a trial and tribulations of what we've been going through for the last 15 months <laughs> oh or, or what have you. Steph, you heard the question. Let's yeah. hear the answer. Uh, Amazon. So I, I've done a lot of homework on it because the stock has really lagged. It's flat year to date. It's up only 25%, only 25% in the last year. That's still nice, but it certainly has lagged other FANG names. And I just look at the businesses that they have, and this is not a surprise by any means, but e-commerce is simply on fire. The top 100 marketplace globally uh, last, uh, last year did $2 trillion, and Amazon is number one in the U.S. and number three globally. So clearly they have momentum, and I think that is going to continue. Maybe it's not as strong as last year because of the pandemic, but it's going to stay strong. AWS, only 15% of the workloads are in the cloud. This could be a $100 billion business in the the next four to five years for Amazon versus um, about $25 billion this year. And then I like this MGM deal a lot. I like that they're going to get more size, more scale in streaming. So I like it. I own it on market weight. It's 4% of my benchmark. So I'm very aware that I don't want to get too over my skis. But I, I do like this story and just kind of have to see it. You know, maybe it has to settle out here a little bit for a little bit of time, because I'm not convinced, by the way, that growth is going to make this huge comeback, because I still believe very strongly that the growth in the economy is, is going to stay strong. Inflation is not transitory, not at least 100% of it. And that usually means better earnings and value always outperforms growth in that kind of environment. And oh, by the way, one last thing. Historically, growth has outperformed value by five multiple point premium. Today, it's at a 10 multiple point premium. So it's not exactly cheap. Okay. So we have to pick our spots. And that's kind of what I'm doing. Okay. So Ed Yardeni, on that note, has a note today that says growth is not cheap. He says, as the S&P 500 growth index has a forward P.E. of 27 times, while the S&P 500 value is trading at 17 and a half, more or less, forward P.E., just to show you the relationship between the two. So, Doc, maybe that, that maybe that's an issue in getting growth stocks going again. People just say, look, they're still not that cheap, even though they've come in. But then there's making the case for individual big names like an Amazon, which you own shares and calls. Yeah. Um, and, Scott, I, I've said for, you know, better part of uh, a month now that I think we kind of tread water between now and the end of June. Um, still stand by that. It seems like, you know, we get the Dow or the S&P or the uh, Russell back up to a high and then it pulls back just a little bit. And that's probably... Uh, music to the ears of Janet Yellen and all the members of the Fed, especially Jerome Powell, because they would rather uh, this kind of reaction than, you know, a taper tantrum, uh, since they're talking about talking about when they're going to move on these rates. So I I don't think this is a bad scenario, a bad setup at all, Uh, whether it's Apple or whether it's Amazon that, like Steph said, have underperformed and are just kind of waiting right now. I think uh, it, it, they might not be coiled springs, but they certainly have some catalysts ahead of them in the fall. 
And I think, you know, both back to school will be exceedingly strong this year because they actually will go back to school, Scott. Those two sons of yours will be back in school. And I think that driver will be significant for Amazon, for a number of the uh, retailers. And I think, of course, uh, that uh, Apple gets back to its uh, knitting uh, late in the summer into that uh, new introduction in the fall. Let's make a differentiation, too, Joe, if we could. Look, so Ed Yardini okay. is right. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, tech may not be cheap, but the fact of the matter is it's not as expensive as it was either. So if you take that into consideration and you take exactly what Kramer said about where rates are and the 10 year today, I think was at 148 at one point, maybe 150 right now. That in and of itself is a catalyst to invest and buy these tech stocks in some respects, Joe. I would agree with that. I want to lean towards what I would call established growth. And that's your Microsoft, your Apple, your Amazon, your Alphabet. Um, As it relates to the emerging growth stocks, uh, clearly when the 10-year Treasury broke above 1%, you saw pressure on those long-duration assets. I had not made a return to those emerging growth stocks. You talked about DocuSign before. I thought there was a great earnings report. I took a very small position the other day in CrowdStrike. I like that because of the cybersecurity thesis, okay? But, Scott, that's a rental. That's a trade. If the 10-year Treasury begins to reverse and move back towards its 177 high in March, I'm going to be wrong. So I want to lean more towards the lower P.E., established growth technology names, and that's going to take you back to the mega caps. Well, you had Jim and then you lost Jim because he loved the fact that you said CrowdStrike. (laughs) By the way, he has the CEO on his program tonight on on Mad Money, which we're all excited about. But then you lost Jim when you suggested it was merely a trade and not a longer term deal. Jim, explain. What is this, Airbnb? I mean, will Mm -hmm. you give me a break? I mean, Hilton? This company is when you watch what's going on on the Hill. Uh, when you see every single day somebody's identity be hijacked, when you hear about the crypto nightmares, well, there is nobody other than George Kurtz, maybe maybe Palo Alto, that can help this. This is a secular trend. And I'm bringing CrowdStrike on because that last quarter was great, but also because we just have to just say, I think you need to own one of these. And by the way, I said own, not rent. Now, look, I mean, is it a condominium? Eh, you know, it's probably it's more like a it's a, a it's a summer house. How about that? I mean, you got to own it at least for a while. But, uh, you know, Joe, I, I love you. I really love you. And I believed like you did that it was a rental. But the situation has become such a secular nightmare. I think you got to own one. Joe, it's just too horrible. OK, out there. so I so I, I I owned one already. I own Fortinet. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think Fortinet is clearly one of the leaders there. But here's the problem, Jim. And tell me, tell me that I'm wrong because the CrowdStrike position is going to work in my favor. I'm going to stay with it. But if a 10-year shoots back up to 175, you've got Palo Alto, you've got Fortinet, and you've got CrowdStrike. I think you know the answer. What's going to happen to CrowdStrike? All the fundamental strength that you're talking about, that's going to get lost in translation because all investors are going to see is the long-duration assets are going to come back under that stress again. But I do think that this is a special situation long because what happened with Colonial Pipe is going to happen repeatedly. And I think that Agreed. you're going to want to come in. I mean, every time it happens, CrowdStrike's going to be up 15 or Palo Alto's going to be up 20. You're going to say, well, why did I just decide it was a 10-year play? It is a play on bad guys. 
it's a, a, a play on our country refusing to take on state-sponsored actors who we just kind of just blindly say, hey, listen, that's part of the that's part of the territory. No. Until we take these state-sponsored actors on, I think you need one of these. And I think you would need one of them badly, regardless of the, of the tenure. Okay, so is there, John, an, another one that you need to use Kramer's words there off this list? Is it a Shopify, for example? Is it Spotify? Is it Twilio? Is it one of those names that can still work or not? Absolutely, Scott. And Fastly, let's not forget about that. Um, because, of course, they were front and center yesterday um, or just a day ago past that because of the shutdown of like the New York Times and a number of or at least the stoppage uh, of those sites. So, yeah, I, I think on dips, significant dips for companies that are making that happen, not just on the security side. I agree with Joe and Jim on that, and I'm sure Stephanie does. But I think also a lot of the uh, uh, cloud uh, center uh, security plays will work, as will the folks that really help content get out there, because that's still in huge demand, Scott. Well, now, um, and, you know, go ahead. No, uh, finish your thought, John. I'm sorry. No, I, I, I do think that we're going to see those stocks uh, that provide that. I mean, look at this one, ATOM, Scott. Um, this one's on the semiconductor side, but that stock has doubled in a month. Uh, and why? Well, if anybody has pricing power, it's the semis because everybody needs what they've got. Those chips, you just can't get enough of them. Um, and that stock down substantially. I mean, it was down around uh, 10 or 13 bucks a little over a month ago. Trades over 25. Ripping uh, right now. Now it's heading into a steeple. Yeah, a steeple conference tomorrow, Scott. <laughs> so you're going to see a lot of these stocks um, get that love because they've already made those corrections that we've all talked about. And now, even if they're not those mega cap tech names, they're tech names that are in big demand. Yeah, I'm looking at Adamera right now. 13, uh, it's a 13% winner um, today. It's, it's not a big market cap stock. And let's be clear um, on that. It's, it's below a billion dollars. So we, we can move mm -hmm. on just from that. But Fastly, Jim, as, as, as John mentioned, presents a conundrum for me, and I wonder if it does for, for others as well. The, the stock is 60% off of its 52-week high. Okay, so you say, wow, that, that maybe is an advantageous position to, to get into a name like that. However, it's 33% up for the month. Right. So it's already had its big move. And there are a lot, as we started out this conversation with, in the same boat. That's a conundrum. What do I do? Well, not only are there a lot in the same boat, but there are a lot of companies shooting against Fastly. And I think that I don't know when I put up New York Times, I got 502 serve when I was there yesterday or, you know, at, you know two days ago at 5 a.m. I said to myself, all right, that's Fastly enough already. They're supposed to be boutique. They're supposed to never go down. They're supposed to be perfect. Fastly is too expensive. Even particularly for this bounce. And I like that company. I've had management on, but I do not want to own the stock of Fastly. I just think that there are too many people. It's a crowded space and they are no longer able to differentiate themselves from the competitors. OK, so if we move the conversation forward, Steph, and we say, OK, we think, well, let's just for argument's sake, say we agree with Kathy Wood. And we think because rates are low and a lot of these stocks have come in, that tech is going to have a bounce back and that the growth trade is going to reemerge um, and have a, th this next leg higher. 
That means that Marco Kalanovich's call <clears throat> from J.P. Morgan that we highlighted and led with yesterday is likely going to be right, that the next leg of this rally, he says, is already upon us. And now we're going to start noticing it even more. Even though he says stay overweight cyclical stocks, you're not going to get that next leg higher without tech. Steph? Well, tech, yeah, I mean, tech is uh, 26% in the S&P 500, and, and communication services is 11%. So it is a very big weighting if you combine the two, and you have to combine the two. Yeah, he was focusing more on sticking with value, economically sensitive companies, operating leverage, reopen. Kind of sounds familiar. Kind of sounds what I've been talking about for a really long time. But... If growth does have a rally, I completely respect that, and I do have some growth. Right now, I tilt 70-30s, cyclicals, which happen to be a little bit more in the value camp, and then secular, 30% is about sec- is, uh, secular growth in general. And I have plenty of ideas there, and actually, my most recent new purchase was Twitter. So, um, And that was only because it was down so much, and I really like what they're doing in terms of trying to fix user growth, because that's why the stock fell 30%. And I think at 12 times price to sales, it compares very nicely versus Snap, which is at 30 times price to sales. So I'm looking for bargains within tech. But I, look, in cloud, I own, well, Amazon, of course, but Anaplan is down 30% after mm. they beat and raised. It's down 30% on the year, which is ridiculous. Really good company, really good business. Cybersecurity, I own Fortinet. I'm a little nervous about that one. It's had a lot of, it's had a lot of, uh, uh, it's had a big move here mm-hmm. um, and a lot of support from the sell side. And, and social, as I mentioned, Twitter, but I also like Match. So I can find plenty of growth stuff out there. And I have positions in a lot of these names and would look to buy more. What, what about that call, Jim, uh, by Marco Kalanovic, a, a guy who's closely followed by a lot of people on Wall Street? The next leg higher is likely upon us. That, that's his lead. That was our lead yesterday. But it's still relevant. And I wanted your opinion I, of it. I, I'm kind of there. Uh, I, I had, I'm putting together a piece next week for a, a club call that I have to give. And I'm looking at the things that I think could go wrong. But they're further out. I, I think that we are in one of those moments where it's just a, a time where uh, there are a lot of stocks that are working. I mean, coming today and the drug stocks have just been I mean, J&J. There was news that uh, Dr. Gottlieb talked this morning. He kind of danced around the idea that maybe uh, J&J's vaccine is good enough against some of the variants. And bingo, J&J up at buck sixty five. Uh, Crystal Myers was on earlier this week. They really yes. didn't do anything that, that got anybody excited about it. Then suddenly Bristol's up. And when we see those kind of moves, I mean, Bristol really disappointed off of, uh, off of the, uh, the, the ASCO convention this week. And then we had Dr. Cafario on, on uh, Squawk on the street. It did nothing. And then because of rates, it goes up. I mean, this is a ben- I guess what I'm saying, Scott, I'm going to use the word benign. I think it's a benign environment where if you stay long, I think you'll do well. I'm wondering, you know, what areas you, you want to be more heavily exposed to. And that it brings me, Joe, to Tom Lee, who who says energy still has legs. And look at where crude is today. Oh, yeah. It's at 70, 71 um, as we look at it right here, or just below 70 as we're having this conversation. He says there's still legs that oil's going to go above 70, and that ExxonMobil is a name to focus on, that it could, in his words, quote, break to the upside. What do you think? I think he's 100% correct. You and I had this conversation within the last two weeks. Uh, I shared my belief that oil, the price of TI, will go well above 70 towards $80. I thought the decision from OPEC plus placed the refiners in a very difficult position where they have no guidance on future production increases. So they have to go out and aggressively buy their crude oil right now. Uh, ExxonMobil absolutely breaking out. Let's not forget 
in 2020. They added on the board as the lead director, Ken Frazier. He will transition that company to where it needs to go in terms of renewables. So I believe energy is the sector that is leading us here in 2021. To Steph's point, it's cyclically oriented and it's about mobility, Scott. It is the clear proxy for mobility. It continues to work higher. So, Kramer, you've been as critical of fossil fuel stocks as anybody in recent months, that no one wants to own them. Now, you may make exceptions in the group, and Chevron today gets reiterated with an overweight. The stock sits five bucks off of its high. Are you comfortable with telling people, okay, you can buy these stocks? Absolutely. There's two that I like. I like Scott Sheffield and Pioneer Nat. And I like Mike Worth at Chevron. Why do I mention that? Because these two gentlemen, uh, I had said that oil was uninvestable. These people heard the call. Okay, they heard the call. They realized, you know what, we got to start changing. We got to start doing things differently. Mike Worth is doing everything he can to become a better player in the industry. And by the way, Joe's right. I mean, that Exxon board, they are, if you looked at them, they may be anti-fossil fuel. It's incredible what's going on there. So these companies have heeded the call. They recognize that their old ways are no longer any good, and they're becoming better corporate citizens, and that makes me like them. I give you those two, uh, Pioneer, Nat, and Chevron. And Exxon, what can I say? With that board of directors, I am seriously considering that one as a good stock to own. See, I mean, we, we were discussing this, and I know you, you guys on, on Squawk on the Street were, were as well over the last few weeks, that it was a watershed moment what yes. engine number one was able to do at Exxon and get those three board seats, um, historic, obviously, and may result in more people feeling comfortable buying those stocks. Dr. J, you own BP shares, you have Exxon calls, and you're, you're in calls in the XLE mm-hmm. itself, obviously of the view that Tom Lee has that, that trade's going higher. Yeah, global demand, Scott, is coming back huge. I mean, you look at what OPEC said, and They're playing this about as well as the Fed is playing their talking about talking because um, they are they did increase production at the at the meeting, but they didn't like just open the spigots. This is the most discipline we've seen out of uh, the OPEC plus members. um, And that bodes well for anybody who's in this energy space. So I talked about unusual activity in Exxon a week ago or so, Scott, and the stock's up three bucks from there, even after um, the uh, additional uh, pressure came from um, Engine One uh, for Exxon. And uh, the fact that they're cooperating, the fact that Exxon is working with um, some of these folks from the ESG side, uh, I think, you know, if, if OPEC's right, and we're already going to see uh, 96% of the 2019 uh, demand coming back, mm-hmm. if we actually exceed that number, Scott, we could be pushing towards the high 70s for uh, U.S. WTI. Okay. I want to talk about it before we take a break. I want to talk about a topic that we, we haven't talked about in a while, and we rarely do, and I think we should, given what's taking place in the markets over in Europe. And that is whether, Jim, you see the, that this, the U.S. equity market, as Bank of America says today, is not the only game in town. The stock 600 index, all-time high again on Tuesday. And how about this? This may be one of the most interesting tidbits I've seen in a long time. This from Bloomberg yesterday. A single trade worth a billion dollars fueled record flows to a Europe ETF. Um, It looks like a single giant trade, they say, has just fueled the biggest ever inflow to one of BlackRock's 
uh, funds that tracks the European markets. It's the MSCI Eurozone ETF. It's the, uh, the EZU. Is this an investment that people should be looking at, Jim, as all of the conversation seems to be about just what's happening here? Absolutely. And the one I'm going to suggest is Banco Santander, symbol SAN. It's a $4 stock. It's run by Anna Boutin. And this is not just because my daughter teaches English in Madrid High School, but because I have looked at this situation, this is the largest bank in Europe. It is up 36% for the year. It had much better controls than all the German banks that we hear about. It is, to me, the great growth stock of Europe. And at four bucks, give me a break. Banco Santander is back. Anna Boutin is an excellent executive. And I challenge anyone, anyone who does not think this is the best bank in Europe, because I think it's amazing. Steph, a single billion dollar bet on Europe. What do do you make of that? And how, how do you think you should best play that? Well, I mean, I focus on multinational companies, so I do have exposure to Europe and to Asia and to around the world, quite frankly. So I like to, to, do, to play it that way. But a big part of the European markets are the financials. And if you've seen anything about rates over there, they've actually recovered quite nicely. They're still less than where we are today here in the United States, but they have inflected higher. And I think a lot of that has to do with the reopen and the massive stimulus. We're not the only ones that put stimulus in our system. There's $100 trillion globally that went in place around the world last year. And so that is going to lead to better growth. And yeah, you know what? Um, the FTSE versus the S&P is a heck of a lot cheaper. Uh, it's cheaper for a reason. I don't think you can get margins to expand as nearly as much as you can do here. But there is value. Joe Terranova, what do you think about this trade and, the, and this big bet? Whether it's through the EZU uh, ETF or multinational stocks, like Steph said, or through Santander, as Kramer was talking about. I I agree with it. The VGK is up nearly 11 percent in this quarter. That's uh, probably double what we're getting from the S&P 500. A lot of it, Scott, is on the uh, improvement in COVID trends, which were lagging relative to the U.S. So you're seeing, to Steph's point, uh, yields which have improved dramatically. A German 10-year actually uh, got close to getting back from negative territory. But you have to believe in banks, and there's reason to believe in banks. You have to believe in life insurance companies. You have to believe in automobile producers, because that's really what the composition of the equities market is in Europe. But they have the momentum right now. They have the improving COVID trends. I don't disagree with investing there. I mean, Jim, last word to you on this before we do go to a break. 30 seconds. The VGK, as Joe was just talking about, new high today, 52-week high. I'd still buy it. I think it's really a great idea. Wish just... Wish I'd been pushing harder on uh, mad, on mad money. I think it's just a great idea. You Got know, it, it's funny. It's been this like a sleepy move. I know, right? You 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 look up, you hear about a billion dollar bet, a single billion dollar bet. You look at the ETF performance. You say new high, and you're like, wow, okay, maybe it is time to actually COVID focus. Opening story. We've been so fixated on the U.S. Yep. and for good reason. We're great excited COVID about the reopen. Story. Yeah, I'm glad everyone got uh, got to listen to that because I think it's just a terrific place to be. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back straight ahead. Meme stock mania, clean energy fuels, Clover Health, Wendy's, AMC. They're all making big moves again. We're going to weigh in on that next. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. Back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. 
To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm Leslie Picker, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. At least 10 people are dead and 14 more are wounded after a gunman attacked a group clearing landmines in Afghanistan. An Afghan official blamed the Taliban for the attack. The Taliban deny any connection. A U.N. group calls the attack heinous. Vaccinated Americans can now travel to France just in time to see restaurants and cafes reopen for indoor business today. The nighttime curfew is also pushed back from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. France is set to drop more restrictions and end the curfew entirely on June 30th. And the slowdown in new vaccinations is threatening hundreds of thousands of doses. In Ohio alone, about 200,000 Johnson & Johnson shots are set to expire in two weeks. What are local health officials doing to use expiring doses quickly and what can be done to make the vaccine last longer tonight on the news with Shepard Smith at 7 p.m. Eastern? Scott, back over to you. All right, let's appreciate it, Leslie Picker. All right, meme stocks getting more attention yet again today. Clover Health, we're showing you some here. Clover, Clean Energy Fuels, Wendy's and Workhorse joining GameStop, AMC and all the other ones that you've heard about, which Jim Cramer today you called um, these should be offered in a casino is what you said during your squawk conversation this morning. Sure, why not? I mean, there's a lot of there's skill set games, as we know, in the casino. And then there's just a luck games. Uh, Blackjack is a skill set game. I think it offers a lot more skill in a lot of ways than what I see the people doing on uh, Reddit, uh, Wall Street bets. But I want to clarify one thing. This uh, Andrew Little fair. okay? this is clean energy. We should not call it a meme stock. Why? Because Credit Suisse came out with a piece this morning about renewable natural gas, and that is CLNE. I was 10 years too early when I had them on the show. But they've got a big deal with Amazon. They've got 50-50 deal with BP and Total. Not a meme stock. The Credit Suisse piece is excellent. The time has come for this company, and I think it's just an actual company doing well. So let's take it out of that uh, group of people. It's not attending. It's not attending, Okay. I mean that when I say that. There's no YOLO here. It's not diamond <laughs> hands. It's not laser eyes. It just happens to be good company. But you do think that this trade X, the one, you know, the clean energy, you think that the meme trade, so to speak, is going to continue and get even hotter, you said. Oh, yeah. What else is there to do? I mean, it's not football season yet, so you can't gamble there. 
Uh, I do think that that a lot of these stocks, I mean, look, there was a guy, someone came out yesterday and recommended uh, Wendy's. Was it John Ivancoe from uh, J.P. Morgan? No. Was it Nicole Miller Reagan, one of my absolute favorites from Piper? No. It was Chilson Day. Chilson Day. And why did Chilson Day recommend it? Not that we really know who that is. Great salad. Great (laughs) salad. Now. I go to speak to Nelson Peltz, who's the chairman this morning. Yeah. He admits, yes, indeed, there's a great salad, but he also talks about how the, the burger's getting better. And, by the way, we were talking about how great it is to have that jalapeno sandwich. But we didn't really think it was about that as much as the fact that breakfast is really working. They're making a lot of money with breakfast. They had a really good quarter, and the stock didn't run. So while I like Chilson Day because I think it's a, some sort of a, a fruity salad, I still think he ought to do a little more work on breakfast. He would have done more work. They just opened in the U.K. And I know that he's dominating right now with his hands or whatever he's doing in Chilson Day. And I love those guys. And, you know, I'm just joking around. Uh, but Chilson Day is on to something, except for he doesn't have any idea why. You know, quick, I want to get Doc's, Doc's opinion here, too, because he's involved in some of these stocks, Jim. But, but before I do that, there is a headline that GameStop, which, by the way, reports earnings after the bell, has elected Ryan Cohen as chairman of the board. So they're going to report uh, their numbers after the bell. That stock was obviously uh, the headliner at the beginning of this whole thing. And as we pull it up now and all of you look at it, wherever you're trading the market uh, today, you can see that it's, uh, it's up about 6% ahead of that print, Jim. <laughs> We all knew he's going to be the chairman, but it doesn't matter. See, because th- these people have a particular set of skills, which is a nightmare for sellers. And uh, GameStop, I'm praying that he says, I am working on something really big. Because then they could take it to 400. If he actually plays his hand, could that be the end? I don't know. I've offered him many options. <laughs> I think he should be a crypto bank. They got 5,000 store crypto bank. They got 55 million in, in uh, uh, rewards members. Why can't they do contests and reward these people in Ethereum or Dogecoin? I mean, what's the deal? He's got to affiliate himself with crypto. If he does that, it's to the moon. And you guys, you know, John, I see here that you own Wish, which I think Jim and David were talking mm-hmm. about earlier this morning you're in calls you say it's your largest options position right now i, I don't know if you can see kramer's yeah, reaction as i'm asking you this but Wish. you tell me and then i'm going back to jim well, oh my god you're wishing upon a star <laughs> chief uh, I'll, I'll, and i'll tell you why scott because when we see unusual activity in CO, clov in clovis in wish in amc in gamestop um the big difference that jim knows between this and vegas is I can buy a call and then sell another call against it. I can't do that in Vegas. Um, I can't buy a put against my bet on the Raiders in Vegas. But I can do that with options, Scott. And the men and women who are on these Reddit boards, um, apes or otherwise, are just all over the... I mean, look at Wish today, Scott. 200 and some odd million. This stock was averaging 11 million, I believe, just a week ago. You had huge volume yesterday. Um, the stock was seven bucks. Traded it to 15 today. Took off a huge chunk of that. I mean, this is a gift from the trading yeah, gods, right. these stocks. And to Jim's point, yeah, this is entertaining, but it's also huge opportunity. And for anybody that gets on the wrong side of this, I mean, I've got one that I'll give you uh, for unusual in just a couple minutes, Scott, that has a 30% short interest. You don't think they're going to squeeze that stock even harder? Yeah, they will. And those diamond hands, uh, that they're all over these stocks. And you've never seen flow like you see 
in these rebel stocks. So, Jim, I mean, the, the point here, too, and, and John brings this to the forefront, there are a lot of pros involved that are trading these stocks, whether oh, it's oh, yes. John and Pete or other options players. It's not just a cohort of retail that we, you know, just described as the, this Reddit group. Absolutely. I, I don't care for wish. I, I want to be sure that people understand John is playing uh, not a game. He is playing an absolutely great investment style on what these people are doing. And, it's, only, and you can, it's an annuity stream. That's absolutely the way to do it, which is play volatility. I am praying that he's going to do Bed Bath & Beyond because it's got a 33% short and I think it's actually doing well. But I absolutely... I've done that one. I've done that one. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're right, Jim. I've done that one. I've been shopping there lately. You said, I think you said yesterday, Jim, it was your favorite of, of all of these uh, look, or, or something Duskin, to that effect. An old buddy of mine from the days when I had my hedge fund was very was an activist here. He brought in a guy named Mark Tritton, who was a, was a merchandise, or the chief merchandise guy at, at Target. Look at Target, what a stock. So I just think the world of, of uh, Bed Bath is a little, I mean, I think Mark would tell you maybe it's even a little bit too high. But if you're playing Wish by, uh, with premium, that is, that's just an amen trade. I, I, I am right there for that because that's the way yeah. to do it. That's the way to take advantage of this. And I think you're absolutely right, Scott. That's what the professionals are doing. And the ones who are kind of amateurs are the ones that are just short call because they end up being the victims. Scott. Yeah, go ahead real quick. Scott. Yeah, go ahead. So on these do-it-yourself do stocks, there is no reason to believe that this is not hedge funds also participating here. They could go out and they could clearly see where the short interest is. And just look today in GameStop. You've got the 580 call and the 680 call. The 580 call, I think, is pricing for $3. It expires Friday. So for a hedge fund to go out and, let's say, spend a half a million dollars, throw up a print that 2,000 calls have traded, or to go to the 680, which is trading uh, 1.50, put up 3,000 traded there, they create the excitement, right? They're creating the excitement that's enticing retail. So I think hedge funds are participating in this just as much as retail is. Yeah. Let's not lose that premise. No, nope. good point. I'm glad you made it as well. We'll take a quick break. We will talk about those big buy calls for two big bank stocks. We'll debate the financials in our call of the day coming up. And do not miss the CNBC Evolve Global Summit. That's coming up on June 16th. To register, go to cnbcevents.com slash evolve. We'll be back in two minutes. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. There is today's latest IPO, Marketa. It is a business-to-business payments company. Square's the largest customer. Stock out of the gates today is up by nearly 17%. It priced at 27. So we'll continue to watch that trade, uh, which looks at its uh, $31.5 right now. Mention those two big calls in the banks. It's Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, both initiated by over at Jefferies. Stephanie Link, you've got Morgan. I do have Morgan, and it's been a good stock year to date up 35%. Um, look, I think the strategy from the CEO is brilliant. It diversifies their revenue stream, gets them away from just being a yield curve play. 
It also increases their retail suite of products. And this is, I mean, they bought Eaton Vans and E-Trade. And these are the two deals that I think are going to be even more synergistic than people expect. They have a world-class investment bank. They have record backlog in the investment bank. And oh, by the way, they have a $10 billion buyback. They have $7.9 billion left. That's 5% of the shares outstanding. Really like this story. Okay, Joe, you've got Goldman. I've got Goldman. I've got Morgan Stanley. I've held both for a very long time. I'm not getting out of either. Uh, Not much to add upon what Stephanie said fundamentally for Morgan Stanley. You could apply the same metrics to Goldman Sachs and add the trading revenue that they're deriving. Uh, Both of these, it's about the gathering, management, and transacting of assets, and they are clearly in the sweet spot for that. And maybe, Jim, you know, one of the most surprising things I find about your current portfolio and the things that you like there's not a, I mean, Wells Fargo, okay, you, you got that, but there's nothing else. No. There's no J.P. Morgan or Morgan Stanley or Bank of America or Goldman Sachs, and I'm wondering why. I made big money in uh, Goldman Sachs, made big money in J.P. Morgan, I have to tell you. Uh, put the money into PayPal, which I think is terrific, giant position in Wells Fargo. But I will say in my uh, club call next week that I really do feel like I, I made a mistake selling, uh, selling Goldman. Uh, I, I, Goldman's franchise is stronger than I thought. Uh, I think they're doing a lot of really good things. By stronger meaning that even though during the doldrums, I think they're doing quite well. Uh, so I made a mistake here. Uh, I, I should own one more. I don't know which one. I'm looking at all of them. I thought J.P. Morgan knocked down on this Amazon thing. That kind of interesting again. But I made a mistake. Uh, the earnings power here is much better. I thought if rates came down, people would sell the stocks. They really haven't. Sometimes you just have to own the fact you got something wrong. But, but do... And, of course, we, we appreciate the contrition, but do you think if rates stay here now or around this level, it limits the upside? Well, that's what I was thinking would happen. You know, I, I said, look, i got to beat on this. I think rates are actually going in a different direction. I better get rid of one of these. And uh, I, I think that when you look at the note that came out today for, for Goldman and Morgan Stanley, you got C-Car coming up. I look at these and I say, you know what? These things are just way too cheap. And, and I, I think Morgan Stanley's the E-Trade acquisition was brilliant. I love what Goldman is doing just in terms of they've really taken costs down. So I got to, you know what I have to do? I have to hope that these stocks go down because of the yield curve. And I'm going to get back into one of them. They're just too good. Their earnings machines and their, their PEs are just too low. Yeah. Returning, you know, a bunch of cash to, to shareholders yep. as well by, by various uh, methods. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. John has unusual activity. That's coming up next. Okay, Dr. J, unusual. What do you have? All right, Scott. Um, I mentioned this one, uh, 30% short interest, Root. If you look at it, it was a $23 stock back in the early part of the year. It's made a big move now, but it's still only four, 13 or 14 bucks. They are buying the July 15 calls. I expect to be in these, Scott, a week to two weeks uh, because of the, you know, the fact that this is being driven by short interest, too. Aurora Cannabis, we've had Tilray, Aurora, Kronos all hitting today. I did Aurora Cannabis because these calls expire Friday. They're the June 12 calls. Uh, uh, I like that one a lot, Scott, and I'll probably be in that one for days. All right, good stuff. Dr. J, thank you very much. Ask Halftime's coming up next with Jim Cramer and the crew. You can send in your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We're right back. (laughs) 
It is that time to answer some of your questions. Kramer, let's watch the video. Hey, everyone. I've got a question for Jim Kramer. What do you think about Roblox? Thanks. All right, Jimmy, what do you think? Justin's got horse sense. I mean, this is the stock that I picked for the CNBC stock picking contest. I think that David Bazooki is doing amazing things. I don't care that it sells 110 times earnings. This is maybe the great growth stock for the next decade. Wow. Up yep. three and a third percent and yeah, climbing as fabulous. we speak. Stephanie Link, a video for you. Hi, I'm Jim in Denver. Wondering the vaccine stocks, Johnson & Johnson and Moderna seem to be doing quite well. And Pfizer seems to be stuck in a rut and wondering why, since they seem to have a pretty good pipeline in addition to the vaccines. All right. What do you think? I like all three. I own Johnson & Johnson. It's blue chip, high quality. It's a defensive stock. So is Pfizer. Uh, Pfizer is actually cheaper than J&J, but J&J is more diversified. Pharma, med devices, consumer, they're benefiting from reopen on the med device side as people get more procedures. Pharma is the juggernaut, great pipeline. So that would be the one I would want to own and buy on any weakness. Okay, good stuff. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll do final trades with Kramer and the crew. We'll do it next. Final trades in just a minute. I want to bring you up to date on a couple of moving stocks, specifically Charles Schwab. You see on your screen right there, it looks to be down about three and a half percent. The chair of the SEC, Gary Gensler, is speaking today at the Piper Sandler conference where he says that the SEC is going to be undertaking a, quote, broad review of stock market structure, including broker pricing rules. I'm sure we'll get into more of that with Mr. Gensler. He's going to be on the exchange at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time, about 30 minutes from now. So you do not want to miss that interview, exactly what he has to say about that specific issue and what other stock moves you may get as a result of all of that. Jim Cramer, what's coming up on Matt tonight? It's been okay. good having you today. Sure, We have George Kurtz on uh, from CrowdStrike and I just a remarkable company. Then we have Tim Masson, an old friend from law school. I used to run the CFTC talking about the weakest link in the crypto chain. You want to give me a 30 seconds or so, Jim, on, on this news that I just mentioned, what Gensler's talking about, Jeez, this quote, uh, broad so, review of market structure, including pricing? Well, I mean, I think to me, pricing is Robin Hood. I mean, what we don't know how much they make per trade. They're coming public. I happen to think the firms that you listed are two fine firms. I, I, I doubt that those are firms. Well, look, I don't know what he's going to say. But to me, I want people to have as much transparency as possible, including figuring out how much it really does cost to do a trade rather than just being told that there are no commissions. I think that's important. I want Gensler to do it. focus on education. I really think that people are doing some things that are over their heads mm -hmm. and risky. And that we need to know suitability. He can really help us with some town halls all over the country. I know that he's probably going to be asked about uh, payment for order flow. That's what you're alluding yes, to. Yes, because so I we'll think see. people don't understand that there's no such thing yeah. as a free lunch. Yeah. Jimmy, I, we got less than 30 seconds. Just give me a name for a final trade, if you could, please. I, I had T-Mobile on uh, earlier this week. I've got to tell you, just because ATT and Verizon are so far behind 5G, I, this thing's a rocket. T-Mobile okay. could be multiple year. Awesome having you. We'll see you tonight Thank on you. MAD. Stephanie Link, quick. American Express. Dr. J, got a name? And then Joe. CLNE bought it during the show. Woo. IHI. All right, good stuff. Thanks, everybody. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.